0: this show is all about providing a sense of connection to the listeners, a sense of hope that there is healing, there is hope out there, there is a way to recover, and also resources. So I like to share as many resources as possible who's out there, what are the different options that are out there for me? And one of those options is the grief recovery method. So I'm so happy to have one of the top 10 trainers in the world For the grief recovery method on the show today. And you're going to be listening to Mr. Ed Owens. He's a military veteran, and his story is incredible. You're going to want to hear it. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast. Two, one and here we go mr ed owens thank you so much for joining operation tango romeo i appreciate that
1: And thank you mark for the invite i am really excited for this interview and this opportunity
0: well it's what? good that makes me feel popular yeah. <laughs> so i appreciate uh, what you're doing well and i appreciate what you guys are doing it's so interesting i uh stumbled across you guys because of Colette and Gary Benoit with the Benoit wellness center who have been on the show a while ago, they're up in Edmonton and I'm a couple of few hours South in Calgary. We're South of Calgary, the grief recovery method. Very, very interesting. So can anyone learn the, the, the grief recovery method?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The grief recovery method was something that was created by a guy named John James and he was a Vietnam veteran. And you know, this wasn't something he ever thought he would get into, but he was a construction guy. And after he went through the losses he went through, including the loss of his firstborn son, right? He found himself super ill-equipped and he figured out, experimented on himself, something that he pieced together, which we call a method. So this was created by a veteran, right? Who was grieving with very simple things we, anyone can do in order to heal after a traumatic event that has impacted their lives and anybody you know can go through the method and anybody can be can go through the training to be able to help others with the method
0: it seems to me that there is a link between extreme grief and PTSD now just because you've had extreme grief does not mean that you are injured by a ptsd i stumbled there because it's we use the term osi and i try to avoid the d in ptsd because really it's an injury so uh, having extreme grief doesn't necessarily mean that you've had a trauma injury but it could so it does is the grief recovery method um, also useful for ptsd recovery
1: oh absolutely um, you know, as I know you're aware, the term PTSD is some, a term that came out of Vietnam. And it's just one of many terms that have been used. Uh, my favorite actually is from the Civil War. They call, used to call it a, sol, a soldier's heart.
0: Oh, and you that's know? one I haven't heard. I've heard shell shock was a common term.
1: Right. So, or battle fatigue or some of those other things. But in the Civil War, they called it a soldier's heart. And I think that's the most descriptive way to look at this, is the things that we experience, you know, in combat, or even not directly in combat, but just as a result of military service, we all experience traumatic events. And that could be something that we experience um, in a zone, right? Or if you're a first responder, it might just be that really bad day, that terrible call that haunts you for the rest of your career. Right, Or it could be a divorce, or it could be the death of a parent. There's a lot of things that can be traumatic. And those events impact so many people. But whether or not that event becomes what people would call PTSD or PTS, right? That's about our emotional reaction to that event. It's about how it impacts our lives continuing down the road, right? So we all experience this. But whether or not, to what level we experience our reaction to it, that's a different discussion, and that's where the method focuses on: is our emotional reaction to whatever it is we experienced, and how can we look at that, and not experience what people call or label, PTS.
0: So, what was the impetus for you? Why did you like? How did you find the grief recovery method, and why do you did you decide to become certified in the grief recovery method?
1: So like everybody else, you know, I was going through life, experiencing, you know, the sweet and sour aspects of life. And I experienced a lot of loss. And it wasn't until my firstborn son, Eddie Ryan, died in an accident which took place in my home. He was a couple months shy of his fourth birthday. And that loss, that traumatic event impacted me in ways I couldn't have imagined. And I found that all the tools I'd been using all my life to try and deal with loss weren't working anymore. Nothing I knew worked. And I kind of went on this journey to try and find something. You know, I went and saw therapists and counselors. I mean, they put me on medications, did a bunch of things. And of course, you know how everyone wants to give you advice. Well, if you thought about this, if you tried this, I did all of those things. And no matter what I tried, it still felt like something was missing. And so I kept looking and then somebody one day said, have you ever heard about this thing called the grief recovery method? Well, like most of us who are in pain, we don't like living with it. And so I was always looking for something that would be truly helpful. I mean, I did all the bad stuff too, right? All the bad behaviors. I mean, I double, dove into a bottle and I'm just trying to numb the pain, but it was always there. So I said, I'll try it. And when I heard it was created by a veteran, I'm like, well, Well, if this guy could figure it out, all right, I'll trust another brother. And I came out of that weekend for the first time being able to feel joy and happiness about my son in a way that didn't turn sad and depressing five minutes later. I could laugh and talk about him without being consumed by the pain. you know, and events could come like the anniversary of his death, which was right around the corner after I went through the, the training. You know, and his birthday was right around the corner, too. I experienced those days for the first time in years after he died, not being consumed by the pain. And I realized this is what I wanted to do with my life. And so I've never looked back. I love working with people who've experienced loss and who are grieving and are in pain. To help them to have the life that they want to have doesn't involve living with that pain.
0: It's difficult to imagine what that would be like to, to lose a child. And it's difficult to imagine ever being able to recover from it. It's every parent's worst nightmare. It's our, mm-hmm. for all of us, it's our greatest wish that we don't survive our children, that we go first, because uh, that's, that's the natural order of things, and that's okay. But if the grief recovery method can help you heal and, and function and get back on your feet after the loss of a, of a child, then that's a lot of efficacy right there, to say the least. Yeah. So how do you, as a, so are you making a living at being at being a grief recovery specialist or is this a volunteer thing or how is this part of your life now?
1: Absolutely. Once I went through the method and became certified to teach others how the method, um, you know, at the time I had a private investigations company and I went back and shut it down and started working with grievers and I made a living doing it and I continued to do it. And then over time, the Institute asked me to, if I wanted to be a trainer, and then they brought me on to the staff of the Institute. But we have thousands of specialists across North America who make a living doing this work every single day. Whether And some of them are like professionally licensed, otherwise as counselors or therapists. It's about 40% of who we teach. 60% about who we teach is really about they're people who just have experienced loss and want to help others. And they come to us, we teach them our method and they make a living at it. You know, And, and some of them have just really impressive thriving practices doing this method.
0: That's, that's amazing. And now is there a certain legal danger about being in this space because of uh, the, the rules of licensing for therapy? And what is the difference between being a grief recovery specialist and a therapist or a counselor? Okay.
1: So a therapist and a counselor, those are legal terms. And with those legal terms, there's the legal requirements that are set by governments, right? And what you can and can't do. And there's liability with those. The grief recovery method and the specialists who teach it, it's an educational program. We're going to educate you and teach you the things that we all should have been taught when we were young, but for whatever reason, we weren't. And it's an educational program. It's very therapeutic, but it isn't therapy. And it's very healing. And you will take the actions yourself to do it. So back to your question about liability, as it's an educational program, it doesn't have the liability attached that you will find with a counselor or a therapist or someone in those fields.
0: What are some of the do's and don'ts of? I'm just about to say grief counseling, but that's the wrong word mm-hmm. uh, to get me in hot water. Um, what I are some of the
1: specialists?
0: What are some of the do's and don'ts when you're in that space? Somebody is experiencing horrific grief and you're the one supporting them and helping them through it. What are mm-hmm. some of the key do's and don'ts?
1: Well, And there's a lot of things we can talk about around this topic. One of the big don'ts, and it's the big one. If somebody is suicidal, as specialists, right, we're not interventionists. So in that moment, if they're in crisis, our job is to connect them with somebody who can help them because they're in crisis right now, right? If they're having thoughts of hurting or killing themselves, we're not the right tool for this moment. What we need to do is get this person to help. That they need right now. So, we a big don't is we do not do GRM with somebody who is suicidal. Right, that is a different skill set, and we're going to get them the help they need. So that's the big don't. Um, other ones, uh, one other don't for us as specialists is we don't work directly with our own family. Right, if there's a pre-existing relationship, um, it can limit people getting emotionally honest. Right. So we will have another specialist work with them. So those are a couple of things that we don't do. Let's just say that you and I were brothers, right? I mean, we're brothers in the sense we've both worn the uniform, but let's just say we were (laughs) brothers from the same family. Right. And mom died. Right. I wouldn't be able to work with you because we both had an individual unique relationship with mom. Right. There's aspects of that relationship that are only true for me and only true for you. In that case, I would help you to work with somebody else so that you could be emotionally honest with mom, about mom in a way that you're not gonna worry about how it's gonna impact me. You're not gonna limit the work you need to do, right? There's another don't. Let's talk about the do's, because the do's are what really makes us unique, is how we approach doing this work. We know that grievers quite often feel like they're never heard, right? In a way that's truly meaningful and I'm sure anyone listening to this, how many times have you experienced a loss and the people around you give you all these intellectual comments, oh, they're in a better place. Well, that's true and I still miss them. And that comment may not be helpful for me. Well, they give a lot of advice on what we should or shouldn't be doing and I start to feel like there must be something wrong with me or I'm broken. Grievers are not broken, they need to be heard. And they need to be heard in a way allows them to communicate everything they need to say that's incomplete in that relationship right and that's what we do as specialists is help people to discover what that is help them to understand what they need to communicate how they wish things had been better or different right and let's take some actions around that as well as identifying the unmet hopes, dreams, and expectations that are now never going to happen the way we wanted them to be. And that creates all these conflicting feelings. And that's what we do is I discover that and then help to deal with each and every one of them. So we are emotionally complete in that relationship in a way that the griever feels heard, Right? And they're not carrying around a lot of undelivered emotional communications that are causing them so much pain. And that's what we do, and that's the big do because that's how we heal.
0: And it's so difficult. People hear, well, oh, you gotta be a good listener. And they don't know what that means. And they think right. that they are, but they do not know what that they mean. And it's always well-intentioned. Absolutely. I, um <sighs> I have heard from, uh, uh, those that have lost, say, a, an infant or, um, uh, had a, a late term miscarriage and the supportive comment that was given to them was, oh, but you got three other kids. So, you know, focus on them.
1: That is a terrible intellectually true comment that is hurtful to that person.
0: It is just horrible. You know, um, it, just just horrific and it's uh, kind of like the, the, the old mom's advice if you don't if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all um, or if you don't know what to say, that's okay. Don't say a damn thing. listen and the only thing is that sounds like it's really hard and that's And,
1: what and for all of you that are listening to this, one of the most helpful things we know we can say to somebody who's experienced a painful event. Is simply, I cannot imagine. I'm so incredibly sorry. And that right there is one of the most powerful things you can say. And if they want to share what's going on, just listen. Don't interrupt them. Don't try and comment. Don't try and give a bunch of advice. And definitely don't give those intellectual comments like you just think, oh, you have other children. I heard the same thing. Right? I mean, I heard things like, you know, I know exactly how you feel.
0: Oh, yeah. Don't make it you about know? yourself. <laughs> right. Don't do that, folks. Don't make it and, about you. I, I know you're and, just trying to relate. I get it. You're just trying to relate. You're just trying to show empathy. He's like, oh, I've been through something too. But man, no. Uh, no, your cat getting run over by a car, I'm sure it was horrible. And then I'm not going to minimize that, that. That's a big deal. But it's, it's not up there with losing a child. It is not. No.
1: And, and all losses experienced at 100% for that person. Yes. At best, at best. We can remember how we felt when we went through a loss and it didn't feel good for me. And so we just want to affirm to that person, I can't imagine how painful this is for you. And if you want to ask them what happened, and then just listen to whatever they want to share. And when they're done, don't give them any intellectual comments. Don't try and give them any advice. They don't need to be fixed. They just need to be heard and just listen. And when they're done, thank them for opening their heart and thank them for sharing what they have shared. And that's where the conversation ends.
0: How would you define the term support? We hear support our troops, support our police, support our first responders. When it comes to emotional support, one-on-one, and and it's uh, somebody that's close to you, how would you define support? What does that look like to you? First and foremost, I think it's recognizing
1: that each and every one of them have experiences that we can't imagine. You know, whether you're a first responder dealing with some of the, the issues our society, our global world is facing, we can't even begin to imagine how difficult that is for them. And so support is saying that and thank you for what you do. I can't imagine how hard that is. You know, that little comment right there is loving, supportive, it's compassionate, right? And that's how we can truly support somebody. You know, politics aside, you know, where you stand on an issue isn't important, right? When you're trying to be supportive to somebody else. What's important is that you show up and you lovingly support them in a way um, that isn't going to result in a lot of other things coming into the discussion. Mark, I support your military service. I'm so grateful for it, right? I can't imagine what it was like for you when you were in Eastern Europe. And I appreciate the fact that you served. Thank you. That type of thing is a loving and supportive comment. For the rest of us, you know, everybody out there, just acknowledging the work and how incredibly hard it is and thanking them for that in that type of a context is supportive. And if they wanna talk about it, we're here for it. We call it being a heart with ears, right? It's a great visual when you're trying to be supportive. Adopt that visual of I'm this huge heart, I have these two big ears, I'm here to listen whatever you want to share, and I'm going to listen to you without judgment, without criticism. I'm not going to try and analyze you, and you don't need to be fixed. You're not broken. You need to be heard, and that heart with ears has no mouth, and that's key to being a good listener, right, is listening to listen versus listening to react or respond
0: or to make it about you, which some people just have to do. They they do. Isn't that terrible? There's a couple of people that are close to me that I never tell my stories to because I can't even get halfway through it before they make it about themselves. And, oh, yeah, this one time, me, 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 me. I'm like, oh, man, I just needed to talk, not listen. Shit. Wrong door. Sorry. So
1: in in... Uh, As specialists, we're very familiar with this. That um, We're taught to compare, right? Mm. And everybody compares everything. Comparative trauma. Right. And when we compare ourselves to somebody else or them to us, whatever it is, we rob that other person of the dignity of their experience Mm. and the dignity of their pain. And if we choose to minimize our own pain, we're robbing ourselves of our own dignity of the things we've experienced, right? It works both ways. We don't want to sit there and try and hijack the conversation because we're super uncomfortable. That's not helpful to that other person. And it's taking that dignity of what they're trying to share with us and take it from them. We shouldn't do that.
0: When two people have been through a very similar experience and let's, let's say like what they would consider to be the exact same experience. Um, Two soldiers in a firefight in the same section, there's, they're in the same group of eight and they're fire team partners. So they're literally shoulder to shoulder as uh, as this experience is unfolding every door that you go through, they go through at the end. That you still had two very different experiences absolutely one person might uh have a trauma injury and might be suffering from ptsd as a result of that day for the rest of their life the other person might shake it off like it's nothing when that happens there's nothing to do with strength no it's it's because you don't know what happened prior to that event what their childhood was like uh, everything else Mm -hmm. What do you have to say about that sort of concept of um, uh, empathy for similar situations that are different? Like if somebody was trying to uh, say, well, I also had a child of the same age who passed away. That's a horrible thing, and but their pain is theirs. Your mm-hmm. pain is yours. Correct. How would you describe that or how do you deal with, with, with that uh, when, when you're talking with people and that comes up? Sure.
1: So first of all, from our perspective, we look at, we call that a parallel loss. Mm. Right? It's not the same loss and that's because that's impossible, right? Each of us have individual and unique relationships in every aspect of our life. The two brothers in combat is an example. Each of them had their own hopes, dreams, and expectations for what that would look like, right? And they come into that situation, that deployment, that mission With their own unique hopes, dreams, and expectations surrounding what it's gonna look like and the outcomes. And they're each gonna experience something very unique for them, right? And they're gonna have different ways in which they hoped it's been better or different, okay? So we wanna honor and recognize exactly what you said that they are two losses that happen to be parallel. They're similar, but they're not the same. And the way we help each of those people is recognize that, right? Without comparison and honor the fact that they each have their own conflicting feelings around that in a way that isn't, there's no judgment. There's no criticism where I'm not going to try and analyze any of that, right? I'm just going to respect that. And then, so talk to me about what your hopes were, what were your Hopes and dreams around that event. How did you want it to be better or different? And then listen as they communicate or try to communicate
0: what's on their heart. Ed Owens, what a fantastic conversation today. It's uh, so, so glad that I reached out and I'm incredibly happy that uh, you joined Tango Romeo to to talk about this important topic. Uh, please stay on the line while we close up. You are listening Thank to you. Operation Tango Romeo, the drama Recovery Podcast. Today's episode of Operation Tango Romeo is brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, the Vancouver Island Works Project. Vancouver Island Works Project. They are providing us at Operation Tango Romeo with a premium website. They're building it for us, populating it. They're looking after everything that I don't know how to do. If you are looking for a website for yourself, please check out the Vancouver Island Works Project, viwproject.com. That's Victor India Whiskey Project.com. Now they do a lot more than just websites. They do a whole bunch. Please check out their services on the service tab on their website at viwproject.com. Accounting, bookkeeping, uh, Microsoft and Adobe training, social media management, you name it. Now, the website is that they're building for us is just under construction right now. It'll be up and running probably in a few weeks. There'll be a big announcement about that. But VancouverIslandWorksProject.com is supporting Tango Romeo. Thank you for that. Thank you, Manny Mandruziak, who I served with. And please, check them out, man. Check them out. Get a premium website for yourself. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible, with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast.